to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own Rookie Rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on social media on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with two L's galore. It is great to be here. It is great to be wrapping up the running backs in this Oklahoma drill series that we have been knocking out the last couple of weeks. Um, this, as a reminder for all of you out there that may not be familiar, if this is your first episode, I obviously suggest you roll back three weeks and catch up with the wide receivers in the first half of the RB position. But the Oklahoma drill is set out to answer the question and answer the comparison that all dynasty players basically put forth before themselves when they're making decisions between two prospects, except a lot of times this comparison is done between two players that will be playing different roles in their offenses to have different body sizes, have different athletic matrices, have different age profiles, have different production profiles in college. And it ends up making the comparison basically null and void to where you're comparing an apple to a rock or a, uh, you know, a tiger to a fish. So this entire series is based on taking two guys with very similar size, speed, weight profiles who housed the exact same type of role in college for their team and seeing and projecting what they are going to do their first years here in the league. And this is the training camp version. Thus, it is aptly named the Oklahoma Drill. Last week was the third down running backs where I compared Mr. James Cook to Mr. Rashad White. If you are curious as to who won that argument for me, go back and listen. As for this week's episode, I will be going over the big-bodied bruiser running backs. That's right, the thick boys that plow through the middle. But these are two guys that have pass-catching chops that can make a difference on their teams this year as rookies. And they are going into probably the two most advantageous RB rooms in the entire league as rookies. Neither one of them has a true name stay in front of them on the depth chart, and neither one of them really is going to have massive touch restrictions unless they completely flame out as camp continues to roll on and these preseason games wrap up this week. What we're looking at is Mr. Tyler Algier out of BYU, who is now with the Atlanta Falcons, and Mr. Damian Pierce out of the University of Florida, who's now with the Houston Texans. These are two offenses that are projected to be kind of middle to bottom of the barrel this year in production-wise, mainly due to the dearth of a quarterback on one side and the dearth of a receiving group on the other side. There's a lot of questions on the offensive line for both of these teams. Their defenses are pretty suspect. So when you're looking at it, you are hoping that these guys can basically break into their offenses and become the lead backs with a true role in their rookie seasons. And when you're looking at Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce, their overall BMI is pretty much identical. You had Tyler Algier at a little over five foot eleven. You had Damian Pierce at a little under five foot eleven at five ten and three quarters. You had Algier at 221 pounds and Damian Pierce at 224 pounds. Their BMI is basically 32.8 versus 32.6. So you're looking at very similar profiles. Their age group is almost identical at and being a difference of one month in age with Tyler Algier having the one month lean towards him. And when you're looking at their overall athletic matrix score, they're in the top 25% of profiles in the league, but they are 
not really busting out. Uh, you have Tyler Algier, who was 419th out of 1624. That's right, 1,624 prospects since the year 1987. And you have Mr. Damian Pierce, who is 470th out of 1,624 RB prospects since 1987. When you're looking at the overall draft stock, you had Damian Pierce go before Mr. Algier over a round earlier. You had Damian Pierce as the second pick in the fourth round versus Tyler Algier as the eighth pick in the fifth round. But when you get into the metrics in a similar capacity of what we were dealing with last week with the third down running backs, you cannot deny the production level leaning towards one player versus the other. And that player is Mr. Tyler Algier. When you compare every single metric, basically outside of yards per reception and receiving touchdowns of these two players, everything leans towards Algier. Um, they played in 24 games for Mr. Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce actually played in one more game. So 25 games, but the production is just laughable how much more Algier was able to do in one less game. He had a 10% target share, which is basically borderline, just middle of the road, what you expect from your receiving backs. I kind of talked about this um, last week. You want somewhere in that, preferably that 12 range is pretty much ideal. That's what a good share is, but 10 is extremely average for all running backs around um, in NCAA football. You had Damian Pierce at a 5%, so even worse than James Cook's 7.8% from last week. And you are looking at the reception totals. You had 42 towards Tyler Algier compared to the 36 for Damian Pierce. Basically, almost identical receiving stats, though, with that, which is where you lean towards the yards per reception towards Damian Pierce at a 10.3 versus 8.9. He was a little bit more productive with the actual receiving stats, but the rushing stats are a completely other story. When you're looking at the overall rush volume, production, and efficiency, it is all Tyler Algier. As I said, outside of maybe Brees Hall and Sincere McCormick, Tyler Algier was one of the most prolific running backs in the entire college football scene of the last two years for BYU. Everyone was anticipating him being a higher pick than what he was, but I think his combine performance and athleticism truly was the nail in his coffin in a similar vein to a guy like Kennedy Brooks was with the Eagles now, but who ended up as a UDFA. When you look at the rushing stats over the last 24 games, Mr. Tyler Algier toted the rock 426 times for 2,731 yards. For comparison, he had over double the carries that Damian Pierce had at only 206 and almost tripled the rushing yards where Damian Pierce only had 1,077 compared to that 2,731 that you got from Algier. What's even better is the fact that his yards per carry was over a yard better for Mr. Tyler Algier when compared to Damian Pierce. It was 6.4 yards per carry across the last two games or two years with 426 touches on the ground. That's wild stat. It's extreme efficiency. And it was predicated on big chunk plays, which is kind of surprising for a guy that wasn't extremely athletic when you're looking at the RB position. Um, Damian Pierce was still respectable at over five, but when you're in college, having over five yards per carry is pretty much standard. If you're over six, that's where I start to get truly, truly interested because that means you're extremely explosive and dynamic with the touches that you're getting. The most laughable stat for me is that in 24 games, Algier put up 36 rushing touchdowns compared to Damian Pierce's 17. He almost, he basically averaged a touchdown and a half over the last 
two years total worth of production. And when you're looking at these two running backs, everyone knows for me when it comes to a prospect profile, I hate projections. I want to be able to see it on the field. And you can say what you will about the limited touches in the flashes that you saw from a guy like Damian Pierce, but perennially he was underutilized for four years. Tyler Algier from the get-go when he stepped on the field at BYU has been prolific over the last three years. When you look at the overall production, it's not even close. I won't take any arguments about how Damian Pierce looked better on the field because if you actually watch Tyler Algier's tape, he looked just as good as Damian Pierce. They're both violent runners. They both have quite a bit of pop to them. They both lack that long speed, and they truly fit in that true grinded-out two-down running back role, which is what I'm looking at this week in the big-bodied bruiser running backs. When you're looking at the two systems they're going into, you're looking at two completely different systems as well. You're looking at one that predicates itself on the run and play action with Arthur Smith at the head coach last offensive coordinator position there in Atlanta. And then an offense that has predicated itself on being an extremely efficient passing game coordination with Pep Hamilton in Houston, but has never been a good running game. Even with his time in Miami, it was subpar rushing. His time in Houston, it's been the exact same thing. Um, the rush offensive rank of the last two years for Mr. Arthur Smith, once with Derrick Henry, albeit, and once last year with Cordell Patterson, making basically diamonds out of coal. Um, they were the 11th ranked Rushing offense of the last two years is the average. When you're looking at Pep Hamilton, he's been the 23rd over his last two years. Um, when you're looking at the RB2 carry, which I think is the floor for both of these players on their teams, the ceiling is RB1, as I said, but the floor average leans towards Atlanta as well. Underneath Arthur Smith, there's been an average of 119 carries by the RB2 in their offenses compared to the 105 for Pep Hamilton. Both have a tendency to lean extremely into a one-back system with only a very varying amount of touches total and targets. Um, when you're looking at targets and totes on the ground towards the RB2. But when you look at the total rush volume average, you are looking at basically the sixth ranked team in Arthur Smith versus Pep Hamilton, who is the 27th ranked team. Um, the funny thing is the rush to pass ratio is actually still skewing towards Pep Hamilton at 42%. Um, the reason it looks so skewed is that Arthur Smith runs a very slow offense. And that is one thing that the stats can kind of skew you towards one direction without truly getting the, you know, the true picture. Um, the thing with Arthur Smith is that he's had one of the most efficient backs in the league in Derrick Henry. Um, basically, it's been proven time and time again, if you get Derrick Henry over 12 carries, he will end with a higher than five yards per carry average because you just physically could not stop him. We saw the exact same thing last year with the quarter L Patterson. When he saw double digit touches, it was the same type of capacity. When he finds an electric big bodied guy that's able to withstand contact and has a high motor later on in games, his offense starts jiving. That's when you see the pass games. And with the weapons in Atlanta, they're going to want to lean and lean heavily into this you know, play action passing concept that we've known and loved from an Arthur Smith. They weren't able to do it quite as much last year due to the complete dearth of options on the receiving side of the ball. They were dealing with a bunch of nobodies truly. And Kyle Pitts was forced to basically play as a true wide receiver one on the team as a rookie who came in as a tight end. He put up over a thousand yards, the most prolific season that we've seen from a tight end since my very own Bears, Mike Dicta um, back in 67, but you are looking at an offense that wants to run the ball and wants to run it often 
and early. So when I'm looking at Atlanta, um, it also wins out when it comes to the target games as well. So the RB2 target average per season is about 44. The RB2 target average in Houston is only 33. And albeit because the rush pass ratio is a little bit higher, you would anticipate it to be kind of the same. But like I said, this Pep Hamilton offense really only gives the ball to their RB1. It's kind of just always been like that. And this is probably the farthest thing from a committee, which is funny to think about because all of us in the dynasty space right now are under the assumption that this Houston offense with this running back group will be a by committee offense for the foreseeable future underneath Lovey Smith, because that's kind of what he has done everywhere he's gone, including in Chicago, including in Illinois, um, never truly leaning into one running back, but I, I think it's going to be a one running back system because that's kind of what we've seen. Every time that there was one true lead running back that was healthy, they were the ones that got all the bulk. The only reason that you saw so many different games last year with the Houston Texans with guys that were eclipsing 15, 16 carries is the fact that they just couldn't keep anyone healthy. And that's kind of where my concern with Damian Pierce truly comes into it. Um, Marlon Beck has not been the picture of health, obviously, with that Achilles rupture. But the thing with that is that is pretty much the only injury that he's had. He's been extremely durable outside of that in his career. And I think that he has to get extremely outperformed on the ground in order for him to lose any type of true leeway to Damian Pierce. Um, there's been some camp reports that have been leaning towards Mr. Damian Pierce, but ultimately, I think Tyler Algier really is the safest bet. You also have to look at how they were using Cordell Patterson last year in Atlanta. It was a godsend, especially with me being a guy who saw him up close and personal every week on the Chicago Bears. It's hard to truly envision a way that they replicate exactly what they did last year. I think it becomes a little bit predictable. A lot of the, a lot of the production that you got from a Cordero Patterson was on those dump offs over the middle of the field. Most of his production came through the air as opposed to on the ground, and they really did kind of lean on Mike Davis to try and carry the workload early and often in that season last year as a true running back. It just didn't work because Mike Davis isn't the answer. I can hope and pray that Tyler Algier is, but only time will truly tell. Camp reports have been positive for both of these guys thus far, but when you're looking at, again, the situation and the overall production, I think it's pretty easy to actually lean into that Tyler Algier expectation compared to the Damian Pierce, and there's basically a three-round difference in redraft league ADP right now between a guy like Tyler Algier and a guy like Damian Pierce. Um, I think overall this Atlanta team is being slept on quite a bit when it comes to offensive efficiency and the availability of kind of boom bust players on this roster are pretty promising to me. Like I said, the only true competition on the team is Cordero Patterson at the running back position. Um, they did bring in Damian Williams, but he hasn't done anything basically since his 2019 season with the Kansas City Chiefs. On the other side, you have Marlon Back, who was efficient last year when given an option, and Mr. Rex Burkhead, who has been the perennial thorn in many a dynasty RB sides in New England and in Houston over the last couple of years. Um, when you're looking at both teams, like I said, the opportunity is ripe in there. There's 262 vacated targets for, uh, sorry, not vacated targets, or vacated touches in total for the RB position in Atlanta because pretty much everyone has gone outside of Cordero Patterson. And then there's actually a whopping 288 vacated ones in Houston as they let go of basically every running back outside of Rex Burkhead. 
Um, the thing that I think truly limits the overall upside for these two backs is the fact that they are the big bruising running backs. They're going to fill those roles to the T. And although both have shown the ability to catch the ball, neither one is nearly as explosive as a Cordero Patterson or as efficient and shifty, honestly, which is wild for me saying as a Rex Burkhead. Um, he's not just a guy. He's a guy that sticks around and fills a role similarly to a James White. Um, similarly, he can basically jack of all trades, master of none is what you're looking at with the Burkhead. So I would be leaning leaning Burkhead personally in this backfield for Houston and I'd be leaning Patterson as well. But when you're looking at these two guys, I think they could have a solid role this year. I think the issue going into 2023 is that I think both are very replaceable and I think their draft capital says that they're replaceable. Both teams will either be basically rolling it out with a quarterback that impressed that they already had on the roster this year, or they will be going in to basically support their new, fresh, shiny quarterbacks next year with as much surrounding talent as possible as good teams do. And I think that both of these teams are headed in the correct direction, unlike some other teams out there that are making just baffling decisions back and forth. Um, this was another episode. The running backs were a little bit easier, I think, than the wide receivers were this year, which is kind of a converse of what we were rocking last year. But when I'm looking at these two, I think it's easy to see and easy to reiterate the fact that I think Tyler Algier is the sure bet, basically. Um, he was inside of my top five running backs pre and post draft, specifically due to landing spot. The competition is great. His production is completely undeniable. And the offensive scheme is screaming for a guy that can carry the ball 15 to 20 times on the ground and let the weapons go. Because if you can actually use Cordero Patterson in a, as a move piece, as a Z in this offense, with the likes of Kyle Pitts, with the likes of Drake London on the outside, you don't have to be a good quarterback. You can hand the ball off to a steady guy who will consistently get you four, year, four yards a clip, can pope, um, basically pump up those big, long touchdown runs, which is something that Algier showed time and time again, which is something that Damian Pierce did not show in college. And albeit he does have quite a bit of tread on the tires, but that is experience as opposed to a dearth of experience. I'm never concerned about a RB's touch total until he starts eclipsing, you know, that 26, 27 age, like what we're getting with a Zeke or a Dalvin Cook. Um, both of these guys are 22. Both of these guys are screaming for the opportunity in their respective offenses. And I think both could be effective this year if given the shot. I just think that Algier has the smoothest pass to early season production and sustained production when you're comparing the two running backs. But this has been the conclusion of the Oklahoma Jill RB section, guys. It's been a fantastic little ride we've been going on, and we are officially so, so, so close to the NFL regular season. I'm excited to see how these predictions have been going and how they end up basically ending when it comes to the offseason for the 2023 season. I'll be keeping everyone up to date, but until next week, have a great time. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday, and if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.